It's episode 968, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. All right, before I get to the next two people, I will give you, dear listener, the preface that throughout this month, we're going to have some weird lineups. We're going to have some weird, unusual podcasts culminating in the weirdest ones at the end of May. But the weirdness starts today. No Derek. No, Jamie. So joining us from somewhere in Texas, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Where are you, actually? <laughs> um, so I'm in Round Rock, which is basically Austin. So you can say okay. either one. Got okay. it. Okay. And from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy. Which it just occurred to me now that even when Jamie and Derek are out, we still have our Texas and Tennessee we have representatives Austin and, on the Austin yeah, and just, Nashville. It's wow. really just B list from the same. It's really. It, it, I mean, I don't want to say B list. You can kinda. say B list. Yeah, I'll be kinda. a B list, Jamie Ivy. That feels like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that needs to be your new Twitter bio. Just B list, Jamie, Jamie Ivy. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's not true. It's a tie. Yeah. It's a yeah. That's an mm-hmm. that's a lateral move. Either yeah, way you they, look at it. Yeah, the, the chemistry really isn't about personality. It's IP address. And if it's coming from, like, you know, East Texas and uh, Middle Tennessee, then That's we're going to be it. just fine. We're going to be just fine. Uh, t- Tyler, if you're listening yeah. and you think that it's uh, 4 a.m. where Tyler is and he's been up all night, uh, the reality is, is we are recording at an unusual time and I don't think his voice has woken up yet. Uh, nor has Emily's. I don't know. You sounded more tired than Emily. Yeah, I I am trying my hardest right now to sound like super peppy awake, which I don't know if I ever sound like that. But I'm trying extra hard this morning just for the Tyler's got that, that morning gravelly in his voice that that you get before you've had a lot of conversation with people. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the yeah. I I tried to. I think like a lot of us today. I tried you know like like came in. I came in hot trying to like it like getting myself into because usually we record around midday. We're kind of a yeah. noon. This is kind of a noon podcast. Yeah, and you can tell the difference when you're listening to. I don't know how those because I haven't listened to morning radio, morning talk in a long time, but. And there's a reason for that. It's because they're on a different wavelength than I am yeah. at six a.m. When you turn on the radio, this is not that is that is not what I want on my morning. If back when I had a morning commute, they sound like it is four p.m. <laughs> on a Friday. They just got out. They're landing. They're at happy hour down at Chili's, getting themselves on mad the, dog like, in the dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like what is this? Yeah, it's like they either are just extreme morning people or are using cocaine. Like uh, <laughs> first thing in the morning, like yeah, or both. No, but I so I I've kind of uh, too. I no longer when I was like in high school or whatever, and just you know before school, I would listen to like it was like Man Cow or Tommy Rumble or that kind of stuff, uh, and you, and you do really you know appreciate the energy level that they bring. But now it's like I'll listen to like Up First or New York Times the Daily. But here's mm-hmm. but here's what they do because those shows have to be produced at like th- I don't know three a.m. They're putting them together, so. you know. Like middle, and, like middle of the night slash very, very early hey, in the morning yeah, news morning. TV. I, I saw some TikTok behind the scenes of like when each person who works on the morning local news show has to get to work. Yeah. And it's literally between midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. that everybody has to be there. They're working. They're working through the night to bring us. Yeah. Yeah. So they are at 4 p.m. energy, right? They've yeah. been up for, for them, seven yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. They're like, good morning. They started doing something <laughs> at the beginning. I think it's of the daily, but or, or MP of up first which is you know now before the news starts there'll be like a little bit of banter between the hosts that like the engineer captured little cutesy stuff like you know Uh you'll hear "Mm, that's a good coffee this morning peters oh it it so is all right you ready to start yeah yeah let's go it this morning in ukraine and it's like what (laughs) they do like flip a switch it's honestly a little like scary sometimes i think it's interesting that they leave those in because we're pretty you know clark who who edits this these podcasts is pretty meticulous about making sure you know you're just getting primo stuff on this podcast there's a there's a, the cutting room floor you don't want to hear it and you you wouldn't like it if you did no. but there is a but there's <laughs> there's 
there's a sort there's a type of podcast out there even from some like very big very well-funded podcasts where they leave in the weirdest like dropped calls or like, uh, can you hear him i don't think is he still coming through is he coming through for yeah. you guys and they just leave that that is that is final cut that is still in there for the final edit. And I really don't understand why it, it would take all of 10. I am not an audio guy. I know how to cut that stuff out. But do people like that in their podcasts? Well, that, do it, people like the rough? It's like, it's like do even like the biggest. Po- and look, everyone has their opinions. But like the biggest podcast in the world is the Joe Rogan experience by right. a, a significant margin. It's not one of the close. most popular pieces of media, period, not just podcasting in terms of its weekly audience. They have extended times where the host just go on a bathroom break and like they're just like hum da dum da dum like literally just like all right they'll be back in a sec uh what what's yeah um I don't know I'm gonna you know I'll get a drink too and then it's just like silence why they use the bathroom and it's like they're clearly phoning this in and yet it's still yeah. wildly popular it really yeah. does make you question a lot yeah. of things yeah. maybe we're thinking too hard about this maybe we should should we just try it for one week and see what happens well we um, i mean truthfully we're, we're we are this might be this month no no, no, no. We, we are <laughs> like uh, at the end of may in, in a few weeks uh jesse derek prop me uh and other friends yeah. we're all going to wyoming right uh-huh. so if three out of the four cast members are out of town together we just went ahead and made the decision i'm bringing a mic and we're going to record a couple of shows while we're out there live straight uncut. to tape like yeah, uncut yeah. Oh, I can't literally wait. i'm going to upload one on the plane coming back from Oof. wyoming like it's just like whatever happens wait. happens fireworks late night i don't know what's good yeah i'm equally P- excited P- and nervous because no, i have I no true. idea what you guys are gonna it do could make it could make or break the company we could be we could be <laughs> yeah, pulling joe rogan numbers by the end of the week jesse or we, we could do that for a good reason i could do like yeah. a live remote while you do some sort of physical challenge or something and i could be like this the reporter you know like telling people what's going on like the hindenburg crash you know I, what i mean like i, could, I think yeah, uh, yeah. I think too. This is inspired holy. I think we need to do like ep- theme episodes of this show, where it's like one episode is like the Joe Rogan style, where we just talk about crazy, insane conspiracies and take bathroom breaks, extended bathroom breaks, and let the show go for four and a half hours. Like then we do one that's this American lifestyle, where it's super Ooh, highly wait, polished. Wait, wait. This American you know. lifestyle. That's a name. Let's do that one. It's just yeah. like a. It's like a home yeah. decor and uh, fashion focus. Yeah, yeah, American, yeah, exactly. <laughs> American lifestyle. I like it. <laughs> and then we do one that's really quick, just 20 minutes in the daily. You know, I'm Michael Barbaro. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think theme weeks we, we should go for, see what works best for us. Well, it's summertime. Be. I mean, yeah. this is the time to do it. Coming up, summertime, summer break, do some weird stuff. People won't even notice. Yeah. Trying on new vibes. Bit. Trying on new vibes. Well, we have a very important show for you today, actually. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of news in the last couple of weeks about the Supreme Court leak, about um, the Roe v. Wade decision possibly getting thrown out in the, you know, the coming months. And a lot of discussions been happening. So we wanted to dive into that conversation, too. Uh, joining us is Karen Swallow Pryor. She's a professor and author. Um, and it's a great Tyler talks to her and it's a yeah. uh, fascinating conversation that you don't want to miss. Yeah, I think what I what I told Cameron was there's one person I want to talk about this to and that, that's Karen Swallow Pryor. And I was glad she was able to to get on the phone with us. So looking forward to sharing that conversation. We've obviously everybody. been covering it and mm-hmm. publishing think pieces and all these things at relevantmagazine.com. But here on the podcast, we thought it was important to uh, discuss as well. Also, we have uh, at the end of the podcast, this is usually the episode where we have your feedback, but because we're recording at a weird time, we do not. So I have something else up my sleeve and stay tuned right now. It'll be relevant buzz. Listening to the Knox and Cold War Kids, the song is Nobody But Me. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. 
Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. All right. <laughs> I don't have to say please welcome to the show because Tyler's here <laughs> bringing us uh, what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. What's going on? Hey, everyone. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> uh, so this was an interesting report that I that came out and I really wasn't, uh, I didn't believe it at first until I actually crunched some of the math myself. And it really does, I, I had to do some fact checking, but it really does check out. Uh, we all know about the housing market. If you own a house right now, uh, it's basically, it, it's it's turning money over for you. It, you're, you're sitting on a, on a gold mine. The housing market's going up and up. But that, of course, comes with the downside, which is that if you don't own a house, the idea of buying one is becoming more and more unrealistic. So unrealistic right now that per percentage of a paycheck, it is actually harder to buy a house today than it was during the Great Depression. Uh, during the Depression, the median annual pay was 22% of the cost of a home. And now in 2022, it's 14% of the cost of a home. So the average American right now is finding it more difficult to find that upward mobility of owning a home than they did during the famously hmm. difficult economic <laughs> economic disaster back in the 1930s. And, uh, and that's not going away. You know, I think it's easy to think a lot about the if you're a homeowner, uh, this has been a really, really good thing. But if you're not a homeowner and if you're just looking at the general market, this is getting unsustainable very, very quickly because it's not like rent is getting any easier to afford either for people who aren't homeowners. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a troubling study and it's not going that this is going to need to change. You know, what's funny is I, I, I read a lot of economic news and, you know, uh, some people who are saying, oh, prices will come back down like they crashed in 2009 you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's not the case. That that recession was because of a housing lending bubble situation. That's not what this economy is. Right. So while probably the ascension of valuation, 30 something percent, 20 percent, you know, probably will level off or plateau completely, the prices probably aren't coming down. But, you know, what's funny right. is I, uh, I I saw a meme of somebody making fun of the Dave Ramsey approach to finances. <laughs> Dave is like a hardcore 20% down. Do not buy a house until you have 20% saved up. And yeah. like there was some like mid 20s, you know, kid you know, talking about, uh, you know, five years ago, he and his wife started like saving for that 20% down. And now that $375,000 house they were saving up to buy is now 650,000. And so it's just like what you were saying, like the, mm -hmm. the price just g g went so crazy that it's out of reach. Now, what was hard to attain is now nearly impossible to attain unless you already own a home, which is a really sad situation for, you know, younger buyers. Yeah. yeah, nothing against Dave Ramsey. Like, obviously, he's been very, very helpful for a lot of people. Getting oh, people yeah, yeah, out yeah. Of debt. It's just, uh, of it's just there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's programs where you can do five percent down or ten percent down. You know, he was like, no, don't play those games. Twenty percent, you know, that kind of thing. A little bit antiquated in terms of like what it's actually like to buy a house today if you don't already own yeah. one or if you don't have a lot of inherited wealth, things like yeah, that. Yeah, it feels in, it feels out of touch, right? Yeah. Like I have a lot of friends. Yeah, like we talk. You know, a lot of them want houses because we all live in apartments, but, um, you know, they're like teachers or in ministry. And so those are not the most, uh, you know, financially lucrative businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they are in these homes and it, you know, it's just really hard because there's still this mentality. I think of like, Oh, if you just work hard and you like have a good job, you'll be able to get a house. And it's like, that idea is just like we're saying is getting farther and farther away from everyone. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it is frustrating being one of those people that's like, I would love to have a house someday, but, it's like, I have to realistically think, is that actually going to happen for me? You know? And, and that's like a scary thing to think. Like, you know, we always grow up with this American dream that like we'll own a house and, you know, little picket fence, two and a half kids, whatever. And it's like, I just don't know if that's the reality anymore well, with like the state of things. One day your parents are going to die and they have a house, don't they? They oh give it to gosh. you. Well, so, okay. <laughs> morbid. Uh, my parents actually don't have a house. Uh, they, really? well, oh, sorry. They're not homeless. They're not homeless. Um, so they sold their house and they are living in an apartment. 
um, because it's a really great time to sell your house, terrible time to buy. Uh, yeah. And so they're trying to downsize into just because my brother and I, we both don't live there anymore. They don't need that big of a house, but everywhere that they're looking, cause they want to stay in the area everywhere that they're looking, the smaller houses are basically what they paid for the big house that they just moved out of. Um, like what, when we first moved in like years ago. And so you know, I understand their frustrations because they're like, we're not going to pay for a house that's smaller than what we just moved out of, but costs just as much. And so they've been trying to play the waiting game in this apartment, um, this cute little, you know, two bedroom apartment. And while they're for, waiting, the prices are going up and up yeah. and up and up and up. Exactly. That's yeah. Crazy. And so it's, it's even frustrating for them. You know, like my parents are, I won't say how old they are because they'll get mad, but they're they're an older generation. Years <laughs> old. I'm only 26. They are not. <laughs> it's uh, a they miracle. Are the two oldest people <laughs> living right now, both in their 125s, <laughs> and they look amazing. You wouldn't even guess that they're that. You age. know, you look terrible for 50, but you look amazing for 125. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the secret. You should just tell people you're older, and they'll think like, "My God, you look oh, amazing, wow. fantastic." Yeah, they, yeah, they bought a house secret. during the Great Depression, and they can confirm. <laughs> they can confirm. This is that was tough. The this same is tougher. situation. Hey, you're, you're now you're now listening to NPR Marketplace. Uh, no, but listen, an yeah. economic news related to this with unaffordability for obviously a lot of our our listeners. The the rent prices. I mean, I live in there's certain states, certain cities that are hotter than others, and prices went crazier than others. In Orlando, where I live, last year, the house, single family homes prices. Uh, appreciated more than the average annual income of our residents. So like, let's say the average household yeah. income is 60,000. The average home in Orlando appreciated more than $60,000 in one year, which is crazy. But we also have had like a 25% increase in rent here. Mm-hmm. And we read this thing. I sent the, I sent it over to Tyler. I read this thing that one of the reasons why rent prices are going up is obviously it's this horrible Venn diagram of like supply chain issues and, population shifts and, you know, and they just couldn't keep up. And then, you know, the economic, you know, uh, challenges with COVID. But I now a major factor is that 20 somethings, 18 to 29 year olds are moving out of their mom and dad's house. And so uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, in the height of COVID, there were there was more 20 somethings living back at home. They had all moved back home than Mm. than. I think ever in history, or it was like since the 1920s or something, some crazy number, like it was the highest number ever of 20 somethings living at home. Well, now COVID's over. They're going back to normal life. They're all moving out and they're all trying to get apartments, which is supply and demand. So like there's this huge surge of new people looking for apartments with the shortages and whatever. And that's why prices are up 30% and making apartments unaffordable, which is insane. Man. Like in our city, the yeah. average one bedroom apartment is almost $2,000. I know that's different in New York and other bigger cities, but we're just like a normal city. Yeah. $2,000 for a one bedroom. I was paying $500 for one bedroom 15 years ago. That's crazy. So move the show along. This is a, <laughs> this is, we're going to, we're going to do a little, we're, we're bringing, we're bringing back a little bit of, of red carpet, Tyler Huckabee's red carpet reporting style from, from back in the long time ago, the celebrity gossip column. So we had this American lifestyle, then we had uh-huh. it marketplace and mm-hmm. now we're going e-news. Let's go. Yeah, let's this is going to be the true Hollywood story. Yeah, this is true Hollywood story. TMZ. Yeah, we're TMZ in it. We're not doing the classy Joan Rivers critique of the red carpet. No way. We're doing TMZ paparazzi behind the scenes style. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just just sprinting up to a celebrity walking out of Starbucks and shouting things at them. Maybe think more Nickelodeon slimed, like they get the answer wrong, and then from the ceiling, just a just a bucket full of green whatever that green slime. Have you seen that Katy Perry clip going around? Oh my gosh, she didn't die. She opened she opened the box to announce the winner at the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards. Yeah. And it's like some box she had to pull the name out of. And when she opened it, this clip is going around it's from 15 years ago. Uh, the, the, the slime, the Nickelodeon slime thing shoots at her face out of the box like a, like a fire like hose. Like a hundred miles per hour. Like a fire hose. So and knocks her back like 20 uh, feet. Falls. <laughs> it's it insane. It was a murder attempt. It looked like an assassination attempt. Like it, like, gave it looked her like somebody wanted Katy like it, Perry dead. But what if, what if she had been like seriously injured? And it's like, oh, it's such a tragedy about Katy Perry. She got slime blasted to death. Yeah. I mean, think about it. her life is her throat, you know? And yeah. like this thing snaps her head back. It hits her face so strongly. It's insane. <laughs> 
Anyway. Yeah. So that's not. So that's more of the news where we get. That's that's kind of where this one's coming from. This, yeah, this is yeah. coming. We've got news from a beloved franchise around these parts: the Fast and the Furious movies. <sighs> we're come, They're working on. They're working on Fast Ten right now. This will be part one of the two part finale to what I think they're calling the Fast saga right now and this is i think just by itself even just one of the weirdest franchise it started out as this really low level just vin diesel and paul walker doing a little kind of like buddy cop good guy yeah, they bad were guy. stealing dvd players <laughs> like the first one yeah. like we've gone from knocking off into like space last yeah. year Ludacris yeah. put wrapped mm-hmm. his car in tinfoil and went into space with it. space if they don't like develop a car time machine and go back to medieval times for the next one i'm gonna be very disappointed <laughs> like back to the future three like, yeah. Yeah. but for real they, they for go real. yeah and they, and they they are they're suddenly like driving hot rods in like a chariot race in ancient rome that's what we want just give the people what yeah. they want we've suffered through 10 of these okay just let us get time travel or a multiverse just dive in at this point let them enter the mcu let them Jurassic enter the Park MCU. crossover with Vin Diesel <laughs> and Chris Pratt chasing down a Transformers Rex on a r- rocket fuel car. Okay, so that's not so that's that movie. That's not really this. That's, I didn't. I could talk out, about it for a whole slice. If, if they panned out of a scene and Vin Diesel is just blasting down, you know, some mountain road, and it and it, and it zooms out, and Thor is next to him in the passenger <laughs> seat, getting ready for a mission. I think everyone would just be like, "This, all right, sure, why not? Let's do it. We're in. We're in. We're in. I would love that." <laughs> Well, the reason that this fell on our radar is because Justin Lin, who is the director of half of these movies, he, he directed five of the soon to be 10 Fast and Furious movies. He uh, started with Tokyo Drift, which was Tokyo my Drift favorite. was his first one. Was, yeah, yeah, that's right. He he departed the movie. He left of his own. He he actually quit. He fired himself from this movie after it started production. This doesn't happen very often. Directors do get fired. Even in recent Bohemian Rhapsody fired the director. So did Solo, a Star Wars story like that Justice just happened. League. A direct the Justice League, of course. They a director usually does not self leave from a movie. That's pretty rare. But according to him, he left over his mental health. There had been a lot of push and pull with Universal. The they had, they had a lot of different ideas about what the movie was supposed to be like. There was a lot of clashes with Vin Diesel, which based on some celebrity gossip, maybe isn't that unusual on movie sets to have some and, and Vin's a producer clashes with on the Vin franchise. Diesel. And, Vin, and so Vin Diesel obviously can overrule the director on this. Yeah. But uh, but eventually, what he, he ended up saying, according to numerous sources to The Hollywood Reporter, this movie is just not worth my mental health. Apparently, that some of his crew wanted to walk off with him in solidarity. He encouraged them not to, said he thinks they should stay, see it through, get their paychecks, make sure everybody's good. He was very, very gracious in his own statement about how much he loves the franchise, the fans, the crew, even the cast. He didn't say anything bad about Vin Diesel, although that does seem to be the inciting factor. But to me, a good, a good uh, example of somebody who knows that sometimes you just got to cut and run for your own well well-being and uh and he definitely did that you know though that's this is what's what's happening in the workforce and you know with our audience it's like there's such a shift they're talking about the big the great resignation it's people saying you know what (laughs) like life doesn't have to be like this (laughs) i can i can i can change my job if it's going to help my mental health you just don't hear about it on super high profile multi-million dollar projects very often yeah i I mean i I, th- I read and I could this figure could be wrong, but I, I read he was walking away from I mean, it was, you know, oh, it's got to be a huge figures. sum of money. It, you yeah. know, it was, you know, it was between 10 and 20 million dollars, I think. or something. It, 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 and he's it, doing it was, all right. Like he's got yeah. he can walk away from that kind of money. But I think seeing that normalizing that sort of attitude and that sort of behavior, even when it comes to people who, you know, can absorb that sort of windfall does help those of us to see like a, a pattern or, or a good example of somebody who's taking care of themselves in the face of a difficult professional situation. Also, as an old school Fast and Furious fan, which it's lost me in the last three or four. Like this whole thing yeah, of can't the studio has a lot of opinions. Vin Diesel had a lot of opinions. All this group think stuff. That perfectly explains the last three movies to me. Like it's a whole bunch of bad ideas in group think and compromise. And there wasn't a Even clear vision. Well, get this. Go get, back to get, Tokyo Drift. 
Tokyo we'll Drift was arguably the worst one. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was the it was wasn't that a completely different cast? Yeah, yeah. yes. Vin Diesel's in it for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. It does have Han, who's one of the best characters. But other than that, like, yeah. I don't. I it shocks me every time you say it's the best one. I loved it. I mean, get, get the, this is this is true. This is from that same Hollywood report. Apparently, the the way the stunts work is the writer, the script writers bring. This is during shoot while they're shooting during production. They bring Vin Diesel a list of possible stunts they could try to pull off, and he just goes yes and no to each idea they come up with, and whichever one wins, they have to then find a way to justify it into the plot. <laughs> that is according to the report. <laughs> All right, here we go, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> we can have you slide around a corner yeah. in a Camaro, jump out, fight a bunch of bad guys, jump in a truck and drive away, mm-hmm. or we can drop one of these cars from a spaceship. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> hey, Vince, see those two really tall skyscrapers that are fairly close to each other? What? What? I could jump a car from one to the other. Well, that doesn't make any sense with the story, but that would look cool. Okay, let's do it. And then you just have to stitch a story together around the jumps and stuff? Come on. <laughs> At some point, they're pitching a stunt, and Vin goes, let me stop you there. I'm going to add something. Nuclear <laughs> submarine. You guys figure it out. And then it's like, oh, all right, well. All right, we'll so, do it. So, Vin, we can like do this floating thing. Oh, that's cool. What if it's in space? Okay, that sounds great. How do we get it? I hate this. I hate knowing this, Tyler. I love it. Why do I, I love it. No, I love it. Okay, I have this it's theory great. that at some point over the last 10 movies, Vin Diesel started believing that he actually was Dominic Toretto. And I'm curious, what movie do you think was the one where he was like, I'm actually Dominic. Like what in the franchise, when do you think that like, switch like, happens? Five. Like, fast five. It's, it's fast five. five. That's the answer. Yeah, five. I agree with you. It's like after five, he took himself way too seriously. You could tell he thought this was serious cinema or something. You know what I mean? Like, And he's right. It is serious cinema. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and to his credit. There's, there's yeah. nothing like this. Like there's nothing that touches this. But here's Grand the thing. Chat. I felt like fast, built up, built up, built up. Uh, back in the day, Chad Michael Snavely, our old producer, and I went to opening night of six. We were there opening mm-hmm. night. Pre-bought our tickets. We were there. Yeah. Packed theater. I'm telling you, there's a buzz in the audience. And then, like, you know, the movie starts. And all of a sudden, the logo boom, hits the screen. I'm telling you, the place erupts in cheers. A guy started running around the theater. Like, it's just like everybody was so hyped for how stupid and crazy and awesome this is going to be. <laughs> After six, it just lost the plot for me. Seven, eight, nine have been terrible. Well, well the way Tyler's describing the uh, writing process is the writer's room is basically Vin Diesel in a room with a bunch of matchbox cars. And he goes, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> like, just with matchbox cars everywhere. All right, that's the movie. And then this one goes like this. <laughs> Literally, a little kid with a matchbox going, now it's going to go to space. And like, but the little kid is Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel yes. is playing yeah. with matchbox cars, and now that's a movie. And then, oh and then the gosh. plane comes in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what if it jumps goes, from one tower to the other tower? <laughs> Smashes through the window. What if it's pulling a vault through the streets of Miami on a that chain. That one was cool. That one was cool. <laughs> the, script, the, the script is literally just photos of Vin Diesel playing with Matchbox cars. Like, all right, here's the, here's the, here it is, What are guys. we shooting today, director? Well, let's do this Polaroid. Just a bunch of, of Polaroid staple together. <laughs> Got the new script in. <laughs> and guess who's going back in time? <laughs> I mean, Vin the old Lego has, castle. Yeah. Vin Diesel <laughs> has Matchbox cards racing dinosaurs, so we just have to figure it out. He blended his Lego sets and he has those dinosaurs in the castle and the in the cars. I love it. Why are there vampires in this one? Because I had a vampire Lego set, so <laughs> he accidentally bought a Harry Potter Lego set. All of a sudden that happens in the movie. All right. Anything else, Tyler? Last thing, this is this can just be really fast, but it is an interesting sign. Is it of an where, appropriate yeah. segue from Fast and the Furious to Karen Swallow Prior coming up? Could next. not be, could not be more appropriate. Yes, okay, thank God. Is, well, well, we'll see. But this <laughs> is, uh, but, but this is an interesting one, and the, you're seeing this happen more and more. So there's a Texas pastor who is claiming that Kanye illegally sampled over one minute of one of his sermons for a song on Donda. This is according to NBC News. Bishop David Paul Moten, he's pastor of Joy of the Lord Worship Center in Victoria, Texas. He 
filed suit against Kanye for allegedly using 70 seconds of audio from a sermon to create the track Come to Life. Now, that five-minute song opens with the voice of a pastor in mid-sermon before Kanye goes on to rap about his faith and, you know, about the the pain that he's going through after the divorce mm-hmm. and trying to move forward. It's it's a good song. I mean, it's a, it's a positive song, but it is, uh, according to this pastor, he did not have permission to use that. And this is just another, we see this a lot now, what the sort of wild west of sampling right now and how many things you can pull from and what are the legal rules around that. And the laws are still trying to catch up with the with the rate that hip hop and especially somebody like Kanye is is going. And so we'll have to see where this comes from. But it does look like the pastor does have a good case here and could end up with a good chunk of money. I can't fathom that he heard a sermon on the Internet and put it in a song and didn't like, clear the sample. Like, but I can't fathom email the guy. Yeah, but but isn't that sort of isn't that not uncommon for Kanye to not clear samples and just kind of YOLO it? Like I don't know. That, it has that was a, back I, more I, in the mixtape era. Like, like that's the difference between a mixtape and an album is like. But I feel like there was things sampled on what. But I mean, all a lot of Kanye's work going back to um, you know college dropout has is heavily sampled. I mean, that was kind of his early yeah. thing. Was he you would know just that have, Lauren Hill hook uh, when yeah. it all falls down on college yeah. dropout? I read a thing on TikTok the other day. He, you know, he's coming up. This is one of his, it was maybe his first major album. Nobody knew who he was. So he had this hook. He had written the song with that Lauren Hill sample and had to clear it for the release. And so he and his friend, again, nobody knew who he was, flew to Miami to track down Lauren Hill, like founder, got her to verbally agree to it. And then so he goes back. And then she changed her mind a few days later that she didn't want to clear the sample for the song. So what did he do? He went and found a girl who has a voice similar to Lauren Hill sing it. And so mm. the, the, the vocal is not Lauren Hill. It's this other woman impersonating Lauren Hill on the song that got ultimately Man. released. Like, yeah, I didn't know he that. He should have just done that with a sermon. He was like hedging the... Yeah, exactly, right? You <laughs> like what that dude says. Just get your friend to recreate it, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> just say something round about this message. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you need any inspiration, call yeah. Vin Diesel. You can... Um, <laughs> he'll say something about, He'll say something nice about family and probably time travel, so... <laughs> All right. Well, that's Relevant Buzz. There's a lot more where that came from. Check out relevantmagazine.com and your daily web browsing. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on these days. It's been it's been fun reading the site. Stay tuned. Up next, Karen Swallow Pryor joins us. You're listening to April. The song is The Night Has Missed Me. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, today's guest is Karen Swallow Pryor. She's a research professor of English and Christianity and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We spoke with her about last week's leak about the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, what it means for Americans, and how Christians can respond to the news. Here's our conversation with Karen Swallow Pryor. to start off with, do you mind giving us a, a, a quick uh, overview or survey of the work that you've done in the pro-life movement over the last few years? You know, I, I, I was um, baptized into the pro-life movement about three decades ago um, through Operation Rescue uh, and uh, served in several capacities at crisis pregnancy centers over the years and gradually shifted more toward writing and public advocacy for the pro-life 
point of view. What was the engine behind you changing your own uh, methodology, let's say, or or why, why did you why did your attitude or your tactics shift? I mean, I think that the pro life movement itself has sort of grown and evolved over the years. Of course, the crisis pregnancy centers have always been there. They will always be the heart and the backbone, I think, of, of the pro-life movement. The protests that I was involved in in uh, the 1980s and 90s um, had kind of a lifespan. Um, they were challenged so um, vehemently in federal courts and then yeah. finally in federal law that they kind of, you know, um, changed uh, changed the, the dynamics of the whole thing. And sure. um, just, you know, I was younger then and, um, you know, protesting was more suited to my life then. But as I became a professor and teacher, um, I just, uh, you know, it just, it just involved, evolved into me using uh, the classroom and my opportunities to write to advocate for the pro-life point of view. During those, during that time, the, the with the new with the leak, which obviously we, we don't know it's going to be handed down yet, but it seems very mm-hmm. likely that Roe will be overturned. Mm-hmm. Was this ever did, did it did it strike you at any point? Did this day seem like it would come? But was I know this has been sort of a a primary goal of the pro life movement. But did you think it would happen, or did, did you see it being part of your something that would happen in your lifetime? I, I mean, of course, I always hoped it would happen. I mean, that was like a regular refrain at the March for Life uh-huh. um, was, you know, Roe v. Wade's got to go. And it was and has been a focus of the pro-life movement, I think, in large part because of the way that Roe v. Wade happened. It was sudden and it was unexpected. And so it automatically became kind of the focal point of the of the movement. Um, but it has been so long that um, when I heard the news of the leak, I really kind of felt shock and disbelief. I had uh-huh. um, that you know <laughs> that it was going to happen. But of course, I oh, I mean, intention with that is the fact that I always believed that eventually history would look back at abortion as something barbaric and inexplicable in the same way that we look back at other atrocities in human history and can't believe that we allowed it. So, um, Uh so I always thought history would, would change our view, but I, I, I really had thought that I would not see the overturn of Roe versus Wade, um, probably in my lifetime. Did you, in your mind, was there an idea that it might become, that it might fall more out of the, out of public favor before the law actually changed? Because it still remains, obviously, you know, depending on which study you're looking at, 50-50 or so, it had been here in the U.S. Did Uh you think it would Mm -hmm. take a lot, like the popular vote, so to speak, would shift a little more before we got to this point? I think public opinion was um, shifting slowly, but pretty steadily. there are, you know, as you said, there are lots of polls. I mean, the vast majority of Americans kind of want to wanted to see, you know, depending on how the question was asked, would be willing to see more restrictions on abortion than actually exist. A lot of people don't know how radical Roe versus Wade and its companion case Doe versus Bolton are, uh-huh. um, and you know, and then there was always, you know, so there, there, were, the vast majority wanted. Um, more restrictions than existed, but not total restriction. And as technology changes and sonograms become uh, more uh, available and prenatal surgeries and all kinds of things that just make the denial of the humanity of the unborn more and more difficult, I do think that public opinion would shift away from abortion. Um, And I thought that might happen more quickly than, you know, than a Supreme Court decision. (laughs) Given that it did happen before public opinion had shifted quite as far as maybe we would have thought, there's obviously a lot of feelings of betrayal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. a lot of the, even from Christians who who feel that this is a uh, you know this is an attack on women, uh, a, a, bo- a bodily rights issue. How do you respond to some of the critics, particularly the Christian critics, Christians in the pro-choice camp, uh, 
who have these concerns, these fears, and sometimes a, a great deal of anger about this decision? I, I mean, I really think that we are in a place politically and socially where everyone is angry and we are polarized and divided. So this decision coming at this time in this, you know, in this extremely polarized um, environment, I think it was inevitable that um, there would be a strong, um, you know, emotional response. Um, you know, undeniably the, the, you know, we can't separate the um, the decision from the makeup of the court and um, mm-hmm. or the makeup of the court from um, the president, the presidential politics that, that made that possible. So so it's, it's not surprising, but it's also I mean, as someone who is pro-life, I would say that wrote it. Roe versus Wade did this itself, um, you know, uh-huh. uh, 50 years ago, however many years ago. I mean, I mean, it, it, it was. A sim- it was a parallel decision in the other direction. Uh, and so, you know, pendulum swings happen that way. And so now the pendulum is swung the other way. And, um, you know, we will just see how 50 different states respond through their own laws. And uh, we will still, as a, as a pro-life movement, have a lot of work to do. If this decision holds, which seems very likely, what is the responsibility of the pro-life movement now in a place where abortion is being determined at the state level? I think uh, the responsibility of the pro-life movement is the responsibility that we all have as as human beings, um, regardless of our, our views on abortion, um, to, to to support women and families who are carrying children who are um, birthing children. I, I think the pro-life movement has has been doing a lot, a lot of it behind the scenes. Uh, again, it's, I'll point to the crisis pregnancy centers. Mm-hmm. And now is, is an opportunity for more of that work. And also, um, and this is sort of an untold story too, there are a lot of centers around the country that are offering the whole range of healthcare, not just reproductive healthcare, mm-hmm. um, but pro-life healthcare for women across a range of, of services. And so I think that's a, you know, that's a possibility. And I mean, I, I don't see the responsibilities changing. I just see them increasing, um, not only in responsibility, but even in opportunity. That was Karen Swallow Pryor. You can read more of that conversation over at relevantmagazine.com. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's a feedback fill in segment. As we go driving on the interstate, as it took us on a day, arms, blood, dripping from the sun. Tell me you're the one, leave the record on, singing every song. Like, oh, 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 I like that, oh, I like that, oh, I like that. You're listening to Mount Joy. The song is Orange Blood. Okay, well, normally this is where we would do your feedback, uh, and, and we will do your feedback. Some of these shows coming up this month, we will do a question of the week and whatever, but some of them we won't because there are going to be some unusual recording going on. So uh, this week, instead of your feedback, I figured I'd bring some table topics to the cast. This is a, I don't know that we've ever had this grouping of people on the we podcast. I don't think we so have. There you go. I don't know if I've ever done table topics. So as a dynamic, we need to get to know y'all as a grouping. So well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Here we go. I just that's a random again. selection of table topics. These are questions that I have not checked beforehand. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Which celebrity would you like to spend the afternoon with? Emily, we'll start with you. I actually need some time to think about this if I only get one celebrity. <laughs> it's not Taylor? It's I, not it's, it's Taylor. Like it or Harry. Taylor and Harry oh, and Harry. like there's and Vin Diesel. Like there's so many people I need to know. No, 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 no. You cannot put an afternoon with Taylor Swift in the same category as an afternoon with Vin Diesel. I have questions for both of them. Yeah, but but I feel like if, if, real talk. I feel like the Vin Diesel. You're going to be telling that story for a way longer time. Taylor Swift <laughs> appears to be a relatively normal, well-adjusted, just wildly successful person mm. whose day-to-day life is glamorous 
I would assume, Mm -hmm. but not something that you're going to tell your grandkids about that afternoon. Vin Diesel, Lord knows what he's getting up to every afternoon. Like, it's like my 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 choice would have to be someone like in the Nick Cage sort of uh, uh, realm where you're just like, Uh I'm going to have great stories for the rest of my life. It'd be like, I'm going to kick it with Dog the Bounty Hunter today just to see what happens. You know, like someone just off the wall that you're going to have that story forever. Because it's like, yeah, I hung out with, uh, you know, Tom Cruise for the day. We went to the gym, uh, ate, a, ate, a, ate a meal with a private chef. You know, I, I was thinking about like yeah. a nice afternoon and like fun conversation, things like that. John Mulaney would be fun. Barack no, Obama if I only get one fun. afternoon with him, I want to go crazy. Yeah. If yeah. you're talking like a lifelong yeah. amount of stories, you're right. You got to go crazy. But, look, yeah. we've done so many. Everyone on this podcast has done so many interviews with famous people for, you know, extended, extended conversations. It would basically be like that, but a little bit more casual for an afternoon we've all done that i want to go i want to go into the thunderdome with someone who i am going to walk away with the greatest stories of all time you know what i mean that that's that's who like even someone even someone who's just not like an obvious pick like i was watching i was at a restaurant the other night and the nfl draft was on one of the tvs and it was in las vegas and they had wayne newton come on to announce one of the picks okay wait he looked fantastic. He's somehow stopped aging. Like, but I want to know what that guy's life is like. Does he just live at the top of a casino in Las Vegas? Like, what is Wayne Newton's day today? Like, sure. I'm sure he has an estate nearby. You know what I mean? One of those big compounds. Yeah, but he's probably, he's probably like covered in white tigers and moats oh, yeah. and weird oh, stuff. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's what the, it is. That's yeah. the afternoon you want. You're envisioning it, Mike Tyson from The Hangover. That's the but, but it's got to be weirder. Like, I'm sure yeah. he would come out in some sort of robe and greet me and we would just like you know he would have fancy things that i know existed like uh, an afternoon at wayne newton's compound is such a better story than you know having coffee with the rock one day like give me give me wayne newton's compound any day of the week i think the that's Tyler. The, I, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you guys on this one i think i remember i'm remembering a interview with a, a rolling stone veteran whose name is escaping me right now and they asked what was who was the craziest of all the rock and roll guys you've talk to who's the crate who partied the hardest who like took you to the limits of your time with them and you said absolutely without a doubt 100 james blunt the, <laughs> you're beautiful guy like, because he was like because that guy was famous for like five minutes and he milked it for everything it was worth the he's so still many, famous dude i follow him on twitter he's pretty he's still, he's pretty good on twitter he's a good he's a good he's a entertaining he's a social media follow yeah. so i think he's self-aware think, you know what i mean well, yeah, that's what i like knows, about him he knows he's the beautiful guy yeah, the, he, the, he, make, he doesn't make guy. fun of himself, but he's in on the joke, which is enjoyable. But like <laughs> when somebody's a cultural shtick, like who are they? Like, I feel like Nick Cage is in on the joke. Nickelback, yeah. we learned, <laughs> is not in on the joke. So <laughs> the Eve Six it, it is very much in on the joke now with his yeah. Twitter presence. It, like is yeah. always making fun of himself as being the Eve Six guy. So, but I do think new fame, yeah, like follow somebody, the Eve Six guy. I need to follow. Oh, him. he's great. Oh, Eve Six is great. It's a great follow, bur- and he will burn other rock stars from that era, like savagely. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> he's. He what's his name? It's just Eve Six. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I literally had to Google Eve Six guy Eve on number Twitter. Six. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a great follow. So I think somebody who's like just got famous is aware that they've got fifteen minutes and they want to. They're gonna run the tank until it's empty. They're they're gonna go like that would be that. So I think either Wayne Newton, like old weird fame, or like brand new. I don't think Machine Gun Kelly is my answer, but Dude, somebody in that realm who's me. like right now, you're just doing you just gonna go as weird as possible. First of all. Eve six on Twitter. They're they're the name that it shows is Occupy Alternative Rock. Okay, number that's number one. Their Twitter bio, Christian band. <laughs> yeah. Their pinned tweet, pretty sure we're gonna be huge again. <laughs> He's gotten very uh, that's great. He's done back and forth with it. He's shared relevant stuff because we he was doing like a back and forth with was it Reliant K, maybe? Or one of those bands. Somebody like that. Somebody like Reliant K. And we tried to do a deep dive into like why he was tweeting about Reliant K and he like shared the whole story with us about his one weird afternoon with Matt Thiessen. I think that they ended up See? hanging out together. One afternoon one and you weird get stories. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for the weird afternoon, not the famous one. Yeah. All right. Completely different type of question. Here we go. If you're feeling low, what is your trick to feel better? 
Oh. If you're feeling low, what's your trick to feel better? And don't say drugs. <laughs> oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> okay. Um, Option B. <laughs> my, I watch um, one of my top comfort movies to make me feel better. And I have done this on multiple occasions where I felt bad and I popped in um, The Goonies because I do own mm. it on DVD. Um, and that every single time makes me feel better. So really? that's my trick. That's a good one. Goonies is a good one. I, uh, that came out 10 years before I was born, but I absolutely so put on a worship playlist. Like I, I, oh, in fact, this okay. morning I was listening to the relevant uh, worship yeah, playlist I, I on Spotify. I pray too uh, and I read yeah, my Bible. That's, that's me. That's, hey, if yeah, I'm being I, serious. I, worship playlist. Yep, I mean, hey, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to bow to the altar of Goonies, I understand, <laughs> yeah, but yep, you know, yep, I give my yep. cares to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I give, I give to charity, but nothing, nothing lifts my spirit. <laughs> Serving others, I go down to the soup kitchen. Well, yeah, I go to the soup kitchen, and then I bust out some of the original Greek text and just really <laughs> try to dive in. Um, Casual afternoon. I call yeah. up my yeah. old Bible professors at Moody and just talk theology and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, no, but I no real talk. This sounds weird, but I've done this before. I will turn on, and I've I've mentioned my love for The Office many many times. It's well established, but I will turn on Scott Stotts, the episode that, oh that is the cringiest of them all, and oh, I think man. you know what? At least my day is not going like this. Like, <laughs> like in light of Scott Stotts, you can't have a bad day. It's like no one's having as bad day as that. And honestly, you get done watching it, you're like, okay, my afternoon's not going to be that bad. You know, I I, I I can't watch it. It is literally the one of the few pieces of office material that I, I just can't yeah. handle. And so uh, this past week or last week on the site, uh, Emily found a story uh, about a real life Scott's Tots where a third grade class was promised. The entire class was given uh, college tuition. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, hey, I want to post this slice. And so I threw a graphic together for her. And so, of course, she said, can you get me a picture of Scott's Tots? To, to go with this actual news item. Great. Yeah. Well, while I'm Googling Scott's Tots, I see this article where the writer and one of the producers on the show, BJ Novak, who's Ryan on the show, BJ Novak, who wrote that episode, years later apologized to America for that he wrote <laughs> sure. the cringiest, sure. most yeah. awkward piece of television probably ever made. No and he literally necessary. was like, he, he's struggling with it. The fact that like people hate that episode so much. It was so funny to me. <laughs> I, I think it's, that's a shame because I think it, it, it'll be, I'll say this. It's one. And we've, I know we've talked about this, but I know it's the, one of the most uh, uh, polarizing episodes, but it's also arguably the most memorable. You never forget that. Wait, wait no. did Tyler answer his um, two things immediately come to mind. the The first one is, and this is true. This I, I probably I probably do this every day at some point. Uh, a slice of toast with peanut butter is like an instant mood boost, like instant oxytocin for me. It's a simple, easy. I literally thought you were gonna say, totally cheap. "Go to the gym, man." Just no, I, no I thought I thought about it. I thought about it, but I knew you guys were gonna make fun of me if I said that, so I didn't say it. Because <laughs> uh -huh. I think true. I would prefer the gym over the slice of toast. I love yeah, oh, I, I, peanut butter. Peanut butter toast is my like. Oh, that's just instant. That's it. That's a hit in the vid. That's like a sunshine on a cloudy day. I, I, Tyler, I'm sorry, man. Uh, we just day. got news that you owe eighty three thousand dollars in back taxes. I know you're not able to pay it. They're gonna repossess your house. You guys need to move out by Friday, Tyler. I was like, you know what? It's all good. Got to go get my toast real quick. Hold well, on. Just it's yeah. better than watching Scott's Tots. <laughs> a peanut butter toast? That's, yeah. That's going to just, that's going to bring me more down. Emily, yeah. you're getting evicted. I'm sorry. You're like, you can, can you just wait and give me an hour to watch some Goonies real quick before yeah. you make Sample me pack up? No, Tyler. Sample a peanut butter toast is like, great. Now I'm sad and super thirsty. Thanks a lot, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Like the peanut butter and the toast at the. I mean, I don't get it, literally it, like I can feel that in my mouth. It is hey, not enjoyable. Hey, I'm glad more for me, more for me. It's <laughs> it's cheap. It's always available. And I've and absolutely at some point every there's day. A, hey, Tyler, there's Sometimes a reason. Too. There's a reason it's cheap and bountiful. <laughs> kind of like the Fast and Furious franchise. It's not the best, but there's a lot of it. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. It is. But, it, well, you can buy mind. it by the fat. So. <laughs> and I do, ha I do have a playlist of like, of like, pump up tunes like on a on a down day it's it's i wouldn't say it's like exclusively worship maybe i was gonna say is it walking with walking in sunshine and all that no it's a is it, i mean but it's like it's but i but i i think everybody should have a mix 
ready to go. I think you need one in the canister. You don't know no. how much you need this sure. if you don't have one. Okay. All right. Well, I, let me throw out one more, and I know we need to move on. But real. But if everyone, if anyone needs a move mood lift, a no fail is watching local news blooper reels on YouTube. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is, it is yeah. comedy gold, and every time though, you'll find at least one or two uh, clips in there that'll make you laugh pretty hard. That's very good. All right. Last last uh, question. Here we go. If you could ask anyone to be on your personal board of directors, who would you choose? Ooh. Oh, oh, that's a good one. So this is opposite from your spending an afternoon with type. Yeah, people. So this is like a personal like, board like, like a life coach type situation, yeah, I suppose. Like I, people I'd say who you are, probably have yeah. three, four people. Uh-huh. You probably want different people from different areas that can speak into different you parts of your life. Director, your like, you know, financial health. Yeah. Yeah. David Blaine. David Copperfield, uh, any members of Quick Change? I just want to know the secrets of magic, and they, I will let them. I will let those skills guide me. You know, I pin feel like the wise answer pin here is and teller, or yeah, just I pin want, or teller. Because one, well, one of them, yeah, one of them's not speaking. So I would take the speaking pin and teller. Yeah, I know that the 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 right choice is probably like Warren Buffett or something. You know. Uh, uh, Mark Cuban or, or somebody. No, it's it's you want real magicians because <laughs> they have they have created fabulous lives for themselves by just doing magic tricks. Those are the people you want in your corner. Emily, who you got? This is so hard because I have no I've never thought about this. Um, my first thought was Mindy Kaling, just because I really like her writing, mm. and I think she would be fun. Um, I also love Kelly Kapoor; she is truly one of my all-time favorite TV characters. Um, so I would, but I would, so I'd really want Mindy Kaling specifically as Kelly Kapoor, which I know sounds chaotic, but it's my choice. Um, I feel like I gotta have someone spiritual in there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really like Beth Moore. I'll take her. She seems fun. And I think safe, she would be, I think she'd be brutally honest with me, which I probably need. And then I don't know. I want someone who would probably give me good financial advice too. Cause I, I do need that, especially if I'm, you know, going to buy a house ever. So <laughs> exactly. Way to bring it back. Good, yeah, good call back. back. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'm literally, I hope the listeners are too. I'm literally in thought about this. Yeah, I'm going, too. okay, Barack Obama, Richard Branson, Christine Kane, you know, I'm like kind of just like yeah. trying to think of all the different oh, parts wait, of I life. Want Chris Kane. I want Chris Kane, Dibs. Oh, <laughs> you said Beth Moore. You can have yeah, a both. Have both. Yeah. Oh, Do you know how rude. amazing I would be if I had both those That's women true. and Mindy Kaling? That's be unstoppable. You, all right. You wouldn't be B-list Jamie <laughs> Ivy anymore. You'd be A-list. I choose. <laughs> I choose place. the power. I choose the power team because <laughs> I all can five turn to spots or five members of the power <laughs> team because I because three for three reasons. One, they'll keep me very physically fit. Um, Do, I, and, I don't know, dude. They didn't really look that fit to me. They're just kind of burly. Two, they will keep me physically fit. Two, they will keep me <laughs> my spirit encouraged and uh-huh. very loud and my energy level high all the time for the Lord. Spiritually and three, fit. three, they will teach me to do things like rip telephone books in halves <laughs> and blow up hot water bags with just my lung power. That's a pretty strong board. Christine Kane is great. Richard Branson, like to see you blow up a hot water bag with lung power. I see the power team do it like a thousand times. So they can do it in their sleep. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that'll do it for instead of your feedback, it's uh, our feedback. There table you go. Topic. It's a little little table topics going on. Well, before we wrap the show, I want to thank Karen Swallow Pryor again for joining us today. Don't forget to head over to relevantmagazine.com to see that full conversation. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to click and check out all the info about Relevant Plus, our new subscriber-only features. It gives you a ton of can't-miss content, an enhanced spring issue of Relevant, which includes conversations with Ryan Reynolds, Bob Goff, Shauna Nequist, Maisie Peters, Channing Tatum, and so much more. Uh, uh, It's all right there. And you can, right when you sign up for Relevant Plus, you get an email with links to get the ad-free podcast, to get the digital issue. It's all right there in instant Super easy process. Go check it out. Also, uh, make sure to sign up at the website for Relevant Daily, our newsletter to keep you in the loop with our best content. Every weekday morning, you'll get our top five trending stories at Relevant. It's a great way to keep in touch and also, you know, follow along on social media. We publish everything there as well. Okay. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Emily Brown. All right. We will see you guys next time.
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Oh, it's such a tragedy about Kitty Perry. He got slime blasted to death. Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.